0: talk crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack, and today we have a really cool author who writes Hawaiian mysteries. However, before I introduce him, I would like to remind you that this is probably the last episode where I'll have to do this, but we are running a crowdfunding campaign right now. If you would like to contribute to it, please just check out my website, DebbieMack.com under Crime Cafe or on my blog at DebbieMack.com. And on that note, let me just take the time to welcome Terry Ambrose, uh, the Hawaiian mystery author. And uh, thanks for being on the show today, Terry.
1: Uh, thanks, thanks for having me or I sh- maybe I should say aloha.
0: <laughs> aloha, see.
1: <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm, I'm not in Hawaii. I'm actually in Southern California. I'm one of those Hawaiian wannabes. So.
0: I was going to say you're, you're a Southern Californian, but you're, it, you go to Hawaii often. Uh, what, prompted, yeah, like what prompted you to write Hawaiian fi- mystery fiction?
1: <coughs> Excuse me. I took a drink of water and it went the wrong way. Oh, I think um, that happens. <laughs> I was—I had written uh, a thriller series, or a couple of thrillers, several times, uh, several thrillers—and really just was getting tired of writing something so dark. And I wanted to do something fun. And we had just come back from—gosh, I don't know—maybe our tenth trip to Hawaii, and. I thought, you know what, I'm going to write a funny Hawaiian mystery. And so I came up with this character that was a former skip, skip tracer. His life had imploded and he ran away to Hawaii to try and escape after, after things just kind of went South on him. He lost his job, lost his girlfriend, and uh, he just thought he could escape. Well, he got over there and he realized he couldn't, but um, that was what prompted me to do it. It was just sort of uh, a decision of I'm, I really kind of got tired of doing dark stuff and thought I'll try I'll try humor and see how that works. And it's I've actually really enjoyed it quite a bit. So.
0: Well, that's wonderful. That's awesome. I, I really admire people who can write funny things. And I thought your book was very funny, by the way. I enjoyed it a oh, lot. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it you know. T- gosh the the old expression of timing is everything it's actually it's actually pretty easy to write suspense or a thriller because you can you can always throw your character into a situation where somebody's holding a gun on them or something like that but humor it, i mean you have to be able to take that situation and turn it upside down and make something funny out of it and one of my I think one of my all time favorite TV shows was probably Castle because they would do that. I, I, you know, they have, they'd have this incredibly tense situation and all of a sudden you're just, you're falling off the couch laughing because they've, they've done something that's so funny and outrageous and you go, and you, you know, that's never going to happen in real life, but it just works. And so that's what I'm always striving for is to take those situations and just flip them on their head and, make something funny out of it and so
0: that's great um there's an old saying that dying is easy but comedy is hard
1: (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah when you write a lot of times when you write comedy you do feel like you've died (laughs) especially especially if you read it to somebody and they look at you and go huh oh
0: no that that does feel bad i guess yeah um well i got it and i thought it was funny In fact, uh, Honolulu Hadi, which is the one I read, uh, read to me kind of like, almost like Jim Rockford in Hawaii. It had that kind of Mm -hmm. glib sense of humor Mm -hmm. to it. And why was it you decided to make your protagonist, uh, Wilson McKenna, an apartment manager as well as an amateur sleuth? With kind of Rockfordish tendencies, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> I,
1: never, I never really th- thought of him that way, but yeah, you're right. There is, there is something there, like kind of like that. It just never occurred to me before.
0: Uh, any reason why you chose apartment manager?
1: Well, no, not really. Um, it, it was it was something that I needed him to have a job where he could. Kind of be his own boss and and go off and do things and maybe come across these strange situations and and in reality the job as apartment manager hasn't done it I mean it hasn't helped him find any of the of the crimes that he's he's had to uh, resolve it's been more his connection to a character that was introduced in the first book who turned out to be his best and only friend for about five years and it's kind of like this guy's he's he's a native he's a local native of the islands and through him mckenna keeps getting these new cases people show up and he goes i want nothing to do with that i want nothing to do with that and the next thing you know he's he's solving he's solving the case you know like it's like in in honolulu haughty um it was a case of an old friend of his had come back to the islands and had gotten uh, scammed through his, through his own apartment manager. And, and, so he, and so he calls on McKenna because now he's, he's back, he's been accused of murder, and he says, I need your help. And that's how McKenna gets involved. But once again, he doesn't want to be there. He's trying to get out of it and he's he's always the reluctant amateur sleuth um so it's it's a fu- it's a fun role to write because it it means that he's not just saying oh great tell me more about the case and actually in Honolulu Hadi he's got a partner that he's taken on Chance Logan who is that way he's a p i want to be um has a Magnum fetish, basically, If you notice the red Ferrari, the Tiger's baseball cap, and all of this stuff that's very Magnum-ish. And McKenna is always wondering is, does Chance want to be a PI because of Magnum, or does he want to be a PI because that's his life's calling? And he never really does find out, but it gives the two a nice juxtaposition of the one who really wants to take the case and has no experience, and the one who doesn't want to take the case and has the experience so it makes for a nice partnership
0: Mm-hmm. it does very much uh i thought chance was a good foil for mckenna <laughs> yeah
1: he's and chance chance in the next book is is kind of growing up and he's he's maturing a little bit so he he's not quite so naive but
0: oh good i like so, to see that you know yeah
1: he's still a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs>
0: um Another thing I noticed about the book is that it really brings a sense of place in terms of the, the islands of Hawaii and what they're like. I really felt like I got to know Hawaii and oh, some of the culture. You brought up, um, what was his name, Kimu?
1: Oh, Kimu. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Kimu, Kimu and the Hawaiian traditions. And I thought that was really cool uh, what sparked your interest in, in the culture of Hawaii?
1: I think from the moment there, I, I've always been fascinated by cultures and what they do. And I was, I was an anthropology major when I was in college. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, learning about different cultures and that sort of thing. So when we went to Hawaii and I heard about their, the legends, the Polynesian t- traveling there to you know inhabit the islands, and all of this stuff. I, I, I really was kind of predisposed to have a have a fascination with it, and so when I started writing Photo Finish, I had no real intention of delving so deeply into the Hawaiian culture, but at, when I got into the book, I started realizing there was a real opportunity there to um, show people something about a culture that they may not typically see, especially if they're a tourist. They're probably not going to get much in terms of the depth of the of the island society and the, and the beliefs, the myths, the legends and how the people believe in ghosts and all of this stuff that, that goes on behind the scenes. And so I decided that the way to do that was to, was to create this questionable character, and that's Kimo. He's He's been dead, in the first book, he's been dead for 10 years, and he comes back and takes on McKenna as his, as his afterlife, afterlife hobby, uh, self-improvement mm-hmm. project as McKenna keeps calling him. And so Kimu's role in the stories is always to uh, show up in McKenna's dreams, stick him on a surfboard and give him these very weird dreams that just make absolutely no sense at the time. But yet, as you go through the story, when you get to the end, you finally realize, oh my God, that all made sense. And it, a lot of it ties back to Hawaiian symbolism and the, different things that happen. He'll, McKenna will see a bird and he'll wonder if that's Kimu come back to haunt him in, in a bird form uh, because the Hawaiians believe that their ancestors can come back in uh, the form of animals and they can choose which ones they want to be. So there are a lot of different options to choose from and I just decided that uh, having having a really wacky dream scene in each book was going to be a lot of fun and you know quite often the the dream i'll get i'll get about half of it written and then realize when i get to the end of the book oh no i've got to fill in a lot of details because there are more clues and if you were really good at interpreting the dreams after you read the dream scene you'd know who the killer was <laughs> but it's so obtuse that i doubt that anybody can figure it out yeah until the, until the end and then you go oh it was so obvious so
0: that's Well, that's really a, a great way to, to plant clues. Yeah. That's fantastic. And it just gives you so much behind-the-scenes knowledge of Hawaii that uh, yeah. it makes the books all the more authentic. I love that. Uh, did you ever do anything with your anthropology degree in terms of your career?
1: Not really, other than it helped me in business because I understood people more than Um, a lot of people did, you know, when people come out of college with a business degree, they understand business, but they don't necessarily understand people. When I was, when I was done with the anthropology degree, I understood how societies operated, how cultures operated, how, and how more, how people thought than many people did. So it helped in a lot of ways and it made me more accepting of, the differences in cultures. And, and so I think that has helped me as a writer also, because that makes it so that I can look at something and go, oh, that's, that's an interesting fact. It might be something that would completely escape someone else, but because I tend to look for those kinds of things, I, I see them and I go, ah, I can make use of that and, and add that into the book. Um, I want to, on Honolulu Hadi, one of the, things behind that was a conversation that I had with a guy who used to be a a veterans benefit analyst. And I came across a article in AARP magazine a few years ago, and it was about veterans benefit scams. And I was so fascinated by the article that I contacted him and I said, I want to talk to you about doing an interview so I can plug some of this information into a book because I always like to touch on a really good issue in a book. He gave me so much information that I, I went, wow, I've got more than one here. But in Honolulu Hadi we got into the, the veterans' uh, benefit scams as they relate to medical care and, how, and long-term trusts and all of that kind of stuff and how the veterans get taken advantage of by these con men, sometimes willingly and sometimes not and so that was that was the big issue behind the book and when you get to the end you, you know a lot more about that but i try to do it in a way that's entertaining and i don't i don't like standing on the soapbox and you know saying this is good this is bad i let the characters do the talking and they can they get to argue it out on the page
0: mm-hmm. well that's very interesting uh about the anthropology degree um Did it help you in your career as a skip tracer?
1: (laughs) In some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. Um, you know, when you understand people on a more of a macro level, Mm -hmm. that's one thing, but to, but to understand how someone is going to react when they don't want to pay you because I was, I was, I was doing skip tracing for debt collections. So these were people who just didn't want to pay their bills that that becomes a different motivation. That really is an art, or at least it was, an art of unto itself. And my very first day on the job, I was working as an assistant manager for beneficial finance, and my boss handed me a stack of loan cards, which were about... Mm, eight by five, I guess. And on them, you wrote everything that happened on an account. And my job was to go through this stack of 50 loan cards, call all these people, make arrangements for payment, and uh, turn the cards back to him when I was done, which I did. I handed him the cards. I'd gone through all of them. I said, they're all set up, or I know when they'll be home, and and they're all going to be taken care of by Friday. And he said, we'll see. And I went, what do you mean, we'll see? And he goes, we'll see. Friday rolled around, nobody had paid. And so that was my first real lesson in life about people lying to me. Uh-huh. And so that, be- that became another education process, because I learned over time that anybody would lie under the right circumstances. And, you know, when I hear people say, well, I would never do that, I just go, we'll see, because... <laughs> you just have to be in the right situation and you'll pretty much do what you need to do to survive right? because that's our instinct is to survive so, As a,
0: a former practicing attorney i can totally appreciate what you're saying yeah. <laughs> um
1: so i learned i learned a lot of times i had a lot of people lie to me and so a lot of those lessons oh, yeah were in the mckenna books
0: oh yeah oh yes human nature uh, well, to get back to your books for a moment, <laughs> um, what's your latest book about?
1: Uh, the latest one is called North Shore Nanny, and it comes out on August 30th. And that's the second... No, It's, a, it's another novella uh, in the, the Trouble in Paradise McKenna Mystery Series. And it, too, deals a little bit with the veterans' benefit scams. It touches on... Uh, uh, the Madigan Army Base uh, debacle of many years ago where there was shoddy care and there was nepotism going on. And I decided that um, that would the best way to deal with that was to bring in one of the nurses who was uh, fired from that, from that hospital. And I did that <clears throat> and put her in the position of a nanny and so her charge is a 10-year-old surfing sensation and the premise behind the book is that some secrets are best left uh, as secrets and if they're uncovered there are going to be people that don't want them known so when the nanny is accused of framed for murder the 10-year-old hires mckenna to solve the case and it just becomes this hilarious, uh, journey through, through his, uh, investigation to, to figure out who really killed the big manny boss. Was it the CIA or someone else?
0: Hmm. I love the way you take, uh, serious issues and manage to make them comic. I love that. Uh, yeah, that's, it reminds me of Carl Hiaasen. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> well,
0: absolutely. You know, uh-huh. I love Carl Hiaasen. And he, he deals with some pretty yeah. serious issues in his books. He does. His books are hilarious.
1: Yeah. You know, and I, I talk to a lot of authors and I say, well, what's the issue behind the book? And they say, oh, I don't deal with issues. I just write for entertainment. And I, go, and I think you're really missing the point here because what's the point of reading a book if it's not really about something. And so to me, you don't have to it you don't have to stand on a soapbox and lecture people about it. What you have to do is you just have to put the issue out there and then let the characters play with that issue. And in Carl Hyacen's case, he makes it hilariously funny and uh you just go well that's it. and it takes it to the point of the bizarre but that's what's so that's what's so great about writing is you can pretty much do whatever you want to with an issue as long as you don't as long as you keep the you know let people suspend their disbelief and don't make it so outrageous that they just go that's just simply preposterous not- <laughs> yeah
0: yes oh Excellent. That's really excellent. Thank you. That's wonderful advice for anybody who uh, wants to write that kind of thing. And um, to get back to your old work as a skip tracer or possibly repo man, because I noticed you mentioned sometimes people's cars would go missing.
1: <laughs> get that. Been there, done that.
0: <laughs> What's the weirdest situation you ever dealt with as a skip tracer or and or repo
1: man? The the most um well I once I, I once um had a rather scary one where we were re, where we were I was driving a car back from Seattle to Spokane um and the guy whose car it was had blown up a church. But he he had been arrested by the FBI. And I found out many years later, in fact, just this past year, so this has been like thirty years um, I met the FBI agent that was in charge of that case while I was at a sisters in crime meeting, so that was that was really strange because and I was telling him about this, and he goes, "I remember that guy and and so it was it was pretty bizarre, but the weirdest one I had where I was personally involved was we went up it always takes two to do a repossession like this because one of you has to drive the car your car up, and then one has to drive you know their car back, so you've got uh two people, and we went up into the mountains uh behind it's it's called Bonner's Ferry, Idaho, and it's a little dirt road. It goes snakes up the side of this mountain and it does a lot of switchbacks and when you get to the top of the mountain, these people had put their little trailer up there and they were they were living in this trailer and basically living off the off the grid for the most part. Well, we he didn't they didn't make their payments. We went to get the car Um, the husband wasn't home but the wife was there and when she opened the door her rifle was sitting next to the door on the floor and I took one look at that and I thought holy cow all those switchbacks (laughs) how many times can she take a shot at us and so it was pretty freaky going down, driving down. She gave us the keys, gave us the car. There was no problem. But for, you know, for 15 minutes or so, I kept wondering, um, one, is she a good shot? <laughs> Two, will she? And um, it, it all worked out for the best. But it was a pretty strange situation when it happened.
0: Wow. I can just imagine. Um, I'm going to have to wrap up here, but uh, before we go, two things. Number sure. one, have you ever seen the movie Repo Man? And number two, what is there anything you'd like to add before we finish?
1: Um, I have not seen the movie Repo Man, no. You must. <laughs> I must, yeah. I'll have to check it out. Um, funny. The, the other thing I'd like to add is that... Um, Again, uh, North Shore Nanny, it comes out on the 30th. I hope people will check it out. Uh, they can go to my website at terryambrose.com to learn more about me. And um, I, do, I do a lot of author interviews. I do scam tips. And I try to provide some really good information as well as talk about my books. So I like to give people a well-rounded experience. And I hope people will check me out and see
0: well, that's wonderful and thank you again so much for being on the show you're welcome um so as i was saying we're doing the crime cafe crowdfunding campaign right now and we have some wonderful perks including if you're willing to pitch in the amount uh, a personal uh google on air well not on air but just a google chat or other Virtual meeting with your book club or readers group. I, I would be doing it. And uh, so uh, that is a perk that we're offering along with t shirts, coffee mugs, books. Check it out. It's the Crime Cafe crowdfunding campaign, the Crime Cafe Stories Project. And it's on my website at debbymack.com under Crime Cafe or my blog. So on that note, again, thank you, Terry, for being here. And it was a wonderful interview. And read his books because they're very funny. And until two weeks from now, take care.